Will you bow with me, please? Call us out, O God, from familiar settings. Lead us into unexplored regions and make our lives a blessing to all whom we meet. Give us courage to explore you and to explore ourselves openly. Amen. Now, you can almost bet that Nicodemus's mama had a scrapbook with his name on it. From childhood, he had always been the best little boy in the world, polite and well-mannered. This was the sort of kid who brought home first-grade report cards that said, uh, Nicodemus is a joy to have in class. He finishes assignments on time and then helps the other children to finish theirs. There were lots of newspaper clippings in the scrapbook she kept that described his achievements as a student leader. Then there was the pen from the outstanding young Jews of Jerusalem. It's it's prominent there. Uh, And the DVD of him taking the oath of office as a member of the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin was an interesting group of people. It had roots in religion but it had come under the Roman government to be what the newscasters today would call a semi-autonomous local governing unit. An autonomous local governing unit. You familiar with that phrase? You heard that a lot? A group of, well we've heard it in the Muslim world, right? In the Middle East. Places that have had conflict where uh, a group of religious leaders is put in charge of the day-to-day governance over the people. Well, that's what the Sanhedrin was. And of course, when his mama talked about it, when she pulled the scrapbook book out to show his cousins, she'd always say something like, well, we all know the Romans don't let Jews be governor, but he's the next best thing. <laughs> so when Nicodemus came to see Jesus one night, It was a significant enough event that the disciples listened in on the conversation. And they wrote down parts of what they remembered later on so that they would be able to remember. The fact that he had come at night spoke volumes about Nicodemus and it said a lot also about Jesus. Nicodemus had worked hard to overcome the accident of fate that had made him be born a Jew in a Roman world. He was remarkable in that he'd managed to be the best Jew imaginable while also achieving a small measure of power as a person privileged by the Romans to help govern his people. And now that he was getting older, he'd had his 50th come and go. (laughs) He'd enjoyed that little, little bit of privilege for a long time. He'd gotten accustomed to it. He had settled into his privilege. He came to see Jesus at night because he was afraid to come see him by day. You see, Jesus also had attained some fame and a position of leadership among his people. His ministry had only recently begun, but it began well. John the Baptist baptized him at the Jordan and immediately called him the child of God, ordained him in that way. 
He'd moved from there to Cana of Galilee. They're up north, up north of Jerusalem, where he'd done the miracle at the wedding. Remember the water to wine? He'd come down to Capernaum. He'd healed some folks on the way down now to Jerusalem. It's down on the map and always uphill when you're going to Jerusalem. From anywhere in, in Israel, you're always going uphill to Jerusalem, but it's down the map. And when he'd come to the city in the second chapter of John, we're only in the third chapter, he'd made quite an impression because the first thing he did when he got to town was go to the temple courtyard and tear the place up, right? You remember him throwing out the, the people that were stealing from the, uh, the poor people who had come to offer their sacrifices, those vendors around the courtyard of the temple, tore it up. Well, this was Jesus. He'd raised a lot of eyebrows. He was, in fact, a rabble-rousing leader of the common people. So Nicodemus was risking his privileged position by going to see Jesus at all. So he went at a time when he hoped no one would see him. With all the privileges Nicodemus enjoyed, there was still something missing in his life. We don't know how he would have described what he was looking for, but it was important enough to him that he took what felt to him like a big risk. Now we can only speculate about what Nicodemus thought he would gain from talking with Jesus. But as Robert Holden uh, in the book Happiness Now that I alluded to earlier, many of us are reading for our Lenten study, uh, says, uh, it's not unusual for even the most privileged among us to feel a sense of real emptiness an incompleteness in our lives. It's the human condition. We hear the old tapes, even when mama pulls out the scrapbook. I'm not good enough. <laughs> Though we find joy in our worship here at Resurrection, back in the back of our mind, we hear it. This, this can't be right. I must be wrong. Our friends and our family rely on us. Our co-workers trust us. And yet we hear inside, I'm a bad person. We go to pride parades, Kwanzaa celebrations, Cinco de Mayo festivals. And even in the midst of all the cheering, we hear that little voice, don't we? I'm nothing. Just not worth anything at all. Nicodemus was a lot like us. He was a good person who'd done the best he could, but he came to Jesus seeking more. He believed Jesus might just have what he was seeking. Now, accustomed to the niceties of the temple and the court, uh, Nicodemus knew how to present himself to a person. He gave Jesus a compliment. He said, uh, Rabbi, teacher, you must be accompanied by God because of all of these wonderful signs that you've been able to do. And Jesus' reply is startling. Either Jesus was prone to cut to the chase with people or the disciples only captured highlights of these conversations. Really, when you read it, I urge you always to read the Bible and, and listen for what's not said, right? There's an awful lot that's not in this story. 
This was not a brief little chat between Nicodemus and Jesus. This was a long, night-long conversation. You know it was. Either way, what Jesus said rocked Nicodemus back on his heels. Essentially, what he said was, if you want to talk about God and things of heaven, let's talk. I came from heaven. But if you want to understand what heaven is, you have to be reborn in a heavenly way. Now, if someone said that to me out of the blue, I believe I'd be shocked too. Nicodemus had brought a flat earth vocabulary to a cosmic conversation. You can just tell when you read this text that all you're getting is the highlights. So I'm going to fill you in a little on the dialogue. Is that all right? Will you follow me? Jesus tells this leader of the people, this accomplished person with money and little power, look, there's a reason you've come here when everybody else is in bed. So let's get down to brass tacks. I've got what you want, but it's going to mean you have to start over like a little child. Nicodemus states the obvious. I'm old. I can't be born again. Jesus says, I'm not talking about your physical body. Your body is fine the way it is. I'm talking about the part of you that hurts enough that you left your wife in bed and tiptoed past your children to sneak down the street and come into my camp and talk to me at night. I'm talking about your spirit. It's your spirit that needs to be reborn. That's the part that's out of alignment. That's the part that is dissatisfied with things as they are, even though they're pretty good for you. I'm offering you a new spirit. Hey, you're a preacher of Israel, Jesus says. You know this stuff. No matter what you hear in your head or read in the law, what matters is what you <laughs> what matters is that God loves you and wants the best for you. That's what matters. Don't you remember that song we were taught as children in the synagogue? <laughs> I'm walking up the road to Jerusalem. Who will help me? God won't let me stumble or fall. God never sleeps. God makes it shady even on a sunny road. God keeps me safe when the night makes me afraid. God will protect me. God will save my life. Everywhere I go, now and forevermore. Oh, Jesus, Nicodemus said, life isn't a children's song. Yes, Jesus said, yes, yes it is. It's really that simple, Nicodemus. But you have to be born again. You have to be born again. See, the world is changing, and God is behind the changes. Now that I'm here, Jesus says, nothing will ever be the same. God didn't send me to the world to condemn the world, but to change it. <laughs> I'm going to be strung up 
Oh, Nicodemus, they're going to string me up like they did that serpent. Remember Moses? They talked about it in, in Hebrew shul when we were children. They're going to string me up like that serpent. But once they've done it, they're going to be done. They will have done the worst they can do. And after that, it'll be our turn. After that, it'll be our turn. I'm offering eternal life to those who recognize that what is alive and true and happy inside of them can never die. I'm offering immortality to those who will trust that even on long roads with no shade, God will keep them safe and cool. I've come to change the world, Nick, because what the Romans keep telling us isn't true. We don't have to do what they say for fear of being destroyed. We are immortal. We are immortal. <laughs> we don't have to play by the rules of this world. We can listen to God's voice inside us and start saying in the sunlight what right now we only say in the shadows. I know it doesn't seem realistic, Nick, but listen to your heart. Doesn't love and peace and everyone having enough mean more in the long run than preserving your little pittance of privilege? You say I do miracles with people's bodies, and you're right, I do. But the real miracle is that when they quit worrying about their limitations, their spirits soar. They realize that whether they can walk or can see or can hear or even whether they live or die at all doesn't matter. What matters is that they know they are already in heaven so they can risk making this world better. Nick, come out of the shadows. There's a party going on out here in the sunshine. It's heavenly. Oh, Lord, how do I get there? How do I get from where I am to where you are? Well, Nick, it's a combination of things. Two things. Sometimes in your life, it's going to be what old John's been talking about down at the River Jordan. It's going to be about repentance, turning away from whatever it is that's weighing down your soul. Other times... It will be about listening to Holy Spirit as she calls you to be brave and try something new. She calls you and calls you <laughs> always into the light. The way John's Gospel tells the story, friends, we don't know if Nicodemus got with the program or not. But I can tell you I've known a lot of people who have taken Jesus at his word and dance at a party every day out in the sunshine. One of them is my friend Bishop Gene Robinson. Gene was a successful Episcopal priest and assistant to the Bishop of New Hampshire. His personality and gifts for preaching and administration made him a perfect candidate to become bishop himself one day. And there were many who cautioned him, what? You remember it? Do you remember when they said it to you? Don't, don't talk about Mark. Don't talk about being married to Mark. Just let, that, just let that sit. All of this can be yours. Just stay, stay in the closet. 
But Gene listened to the voice that he knew to be God inside him, saying, tell the truth. It'll set you free, and it'll change the world. It'll change the world. Gene responded with courage, and indeed the world did change as he was elected the first openly gay bishop in the Anglican Communion. By following Holy Spirit's guidance, he became to many of us a hero. But then, a few years later, he did something really, really brave. Gene began to tell the truth about his alcoholism. And for years now, he has been dancing in the light of sobriety. I was on a panel with Gene once when he was asked how he was able to deal with the death threats that he faces every day, still, all these years later, as a gay celebrity. And with a twinkle in his eye and the knowledge that mean people are not the worst thing he ever faced, he looked out at the questioner and he said, friend, the worst they can do to me is kill me. I don't worry about that. If they do that to me, immediately I'm in heaven. I don't worry about that. I'm going to heaven. I want to live like a man who walks through the day confident of where he's going. I want to live like women in my life I have known who knew that heaven was their home and they could do anything they needed to on this earth. I want to live like that. Amen.